a few weeks ago that I began this series on divided waters, and you think if you're if you just woke up or just showed up today, that we gave you three analogies. It was Joshua crossing the Jordan River into Jericho. It was Elijah crossing into the church where God would receive him over Jordan and Jesus' baptism. All three times, waters parted, divided, because they were all were carriers of God's spoken word. So if it's your first time you're here this morning, I need you to let that set in because I began this about four weeks ago telling you that I wanted to talk to you about some things that I've, I think God has told me a long time ago. I've just kept the lid on it for 25 years. And when I say that, because of a couple months ago, I talked about the, 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 the Olivet Discourse and it scared the water out of some of you. And I still ain't seen some of them yet. But this is what I will tell you, whether you're a post or pre or mid, whatever, Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse seven, it is not for you to know the times or seasons. We have divided churches and doctrines over eschatology. And and they said, now then, Lord, after your resurrection, well, now you set up your kingdom. Now can we break out the flag? And, And he said, it's not for you to know my timing. And when you, so either you're going to believe somebody, some goofball on television, or you're going to believe the Bible. Is Jesus coming again? He is. But you're wasting time worrying about that. And you've heard me say from day one, if you're a boss and you have 25 employees like Darren Miller, and, and, and somebody said, well, when are you coming back? Well, why do you want to know? Well, we're interested in you. No, you're not. You're going to goof off till I come back. You know, where's the boss at? I don't know. But somebody stand by the window and look for his car, you know? And so I'm telling you, the church, we're so worried about when he's going to come back. We're not doing anything. So what we should be doing is establishing the kingdom and his principles in our heart. Now, he's going to come back. I don't know when. We might as well quit guessing because I'll tell you what, I grew up in a church where they, where they had banners everywhere. They talked about eschatology. They had it down, pat, and it all come up, eh. So you're wasting time. Is he coming back? Yes. Will he set up his kingdom? Yes. So quit worrying about it. It's not for you to know the day or the hour. So that's what he said. That was his last thing he said before he left planet earth outside of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So divided waters. So I talked about last week, divided waters. Isaiah 57 says the the wicked. Now I'm not speaking to y'all. I'm speaking... Well, I'm speaking somewhere. The wicked are like the, the sea. They're always stirring up mire and debris. Jesus, when he passed through waters, he is passing through wicked humanity and they're parting. We talked about this a long time last week. Sorry about that. I'm 15 minutes. Sorry about that. I apologize. I really don't, but I'm just telling you up front, I'm sorry. It won't happen again. And you know it will. And I'm just saying that to make you feel better. And this is what he said. The more the word of God has in you, the more people's going to part out of your way. You're going to come here and you go, oh, this is a great place to, to hang out until you understand that I'm to fill the word. I can't see straight. And you just kind of part out of my way. Where'd they go? You make them mad? Nope. Because the gospel is offensive within itself. Now, I have today and next week, and I'm going to end this, this concept about the most offensive 
doctrine in the Bible. And for you that do not know this, I said last week, and I'll explain in detail next week, that religion is the final and the highest form of blasphemy against God. Man's religion. It's the ultimate blasphemy against God. So if you're trying to be religious, don't do it. So Jesus, we, we talked about in Luke chapter 4, they gave him a, a, a book to read, one scripture, and he reads Isaiah chapter 61. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim all to set the captive free. And he said, this day, this has been fulfilled. And we found out last week, immediately when he said that in church, they took to throw him over the cliff. And all he did was read a scripture. Why is, it, why is it that you get so mad at me when I would just read Scripture? Why is that? And the Bible says that when they come after him, what happened? He walked right into the middle of them, and the Greek says they parted. The more of the Word of God that you and I have in our life, the real Word of God, you're going to find out that you're going to face some opposition, but you're going to find out that it is, will be the most offensive thing that you can ever speak to the religious community. I'm not much on smiling, but I'll smile with you. I'm not mad. So we found out last week the word offensive was Jesus. Did he ever offend somebody? Absolutely. We found that last week in scripture, Matthew chapter 15. He says a couple things and the disciple says, I think you have offended them. And you know what he said? Oh, I'm so sorry. He said, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That slipped. No. He said, good. If you remind me next week, the week after, I'll tell you what it means is what defiles a man is not what goes in, what comes out. Here's a preview of it. Did you know that there's some people in the church, they'll take in the word of God, but they can't keep it there because it makes them sick. Thank you. Oh, I love the word. Oh, oh, I love the word. And you sit down in a place and setting like this and somebody chops it up to you and you go, hmm, I like it. And you go outside and you just, you have the drive heaves because the scripture says that they take in the word, but yet they vomit it out. Yes. Religious people will always pretend that they love cod liver oil and liver and onions. Oh, I'm religious. I belong to the first church of the Frigidaire. I understand that. Well, here, take a big old dose of this scripture. Oh, it's great. Look, I'm chewing it. I'm even smiling until they get to the bathroom and they, and they hurl it up. The message Bible says they vomit it up. Why is that? Because that there's something very offensive to the word of God, to an unchanged nature within a man. If you're not saved and born again, really, I mean, the, this Bible only has really about two verses for you. One is that you're lost and the other, there's hell waiting on you. But the rest of it is designed for the, for the people of God. And we can take, because our, we've been changed on the inside and, 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 and we're not eliminate the, the sinners because thank God that we were sinners saved by grace. And that's the way it is. But we'll deal with that next week. So just kind of offensive means to be unliked, unwanted. We found that it meant raw edge, irritating, <laughs> hated. Hated. 
So, did Jesus ever offend people? And the answer is yes. Matthew 15, because they equated their traditions with the law. About washing their hands. And he says, why do you break the traditions of the elders? And so Jesus now is on them like a rat on Cheetah. And when he gets through with them, they hate him. He is unliked. He is unwanted. And matter of fact, he is irritating to their religious party. And they want him out. So pay close attention to me this morning about the gospel that we're about to preach. John 15, verse 18, in the New King James says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. I think the Message Bible says something like that. If, if the world hates you, it got to start by hating me. So listen to Jesus. He's got these guys locked up now in the upper room. No more miracles, no more anything. It's, it's in-house epistles. He's about to be crucified. And he said, he said, this is what I want to tell you. If the world hates you, now then, there, and there's one thing in three years that the disciples knows for sure that the Jews hate Jesus. They know this for sure. They don't know exactly who he is, what he's doing here, because they're guessing all the way in, in, in the upper room and even at the resurrection. They're guessing what's going on. They're, they're trying to act like they know, but they don't know. But there's one thing that these Jews knew 100% for sure that the religious Jews hated Jesus. They knew it. So why all the hate towards Jesus? It's found in John 7, verse 7. We talk, talked about this last week. This is the beginning of the ministry. He said, the world cannot hate you. They just got started. The world doesn't hate you. The religious world. He's not talking about the prostitutes and the pimps and all them people. He said, the religious world. It's called Aeon. It's the religious world. They don't hate you, but they hate me. And the reason why they hate me it's for this reason, because I've come to testify or accuse or expose the religious works, they're evil. So leave that up for you. When you see that, you go, oh, they hate me because I'm revealing the, the crack houses and the whore houses, excuse me, and the harlot houses and all them houses and all that stuff. That has nothing to do with it. He's speaking to a religious crowd. And he said that they don't hate you yet. And we found out last week, he's fixing to unload the, the bomb on them. And we'll show you again here in a few moments. But he said, they don't hate you because you just started out with me. I mean, this is a sermon on the mount. They don't hate you that you're following me. They don't hate you, but they hate me. Why do they hate him? Because I've come to expose that the religious activities are evil. They're wicked. Now, I don't know about you, but that probably got them all flared up. Like some of you when you walked in the door. And I said, hey, we're glad you're here. What kind of church do you go to? Well, I belong to this church. I'm telling you right now, you'd be better off here than you was there. And I mean, all of a sudden, them ruffle feathers get stirred up, you know. And I say things like, well, I was raised simply God. Are you still in therapy over it? You know, I say things like that. 
You know why? Because I want you to think. Because when you understand this morning, before you nod off on me, and I go to Hawaii, and I may keep going, <laughs> that Jesus is dealing with a religious crowd, and I'm dealing with a religious crowd. And you're dealing with the same old religious crowd that are set in the ways full of traditions and additions, and it's the highest blasphemy against God. Yes. Now, that, sounds, that kind of sounds pretty strange, and I understand that. But please don't run off till you just hear me out. So did Jesus really, when he says that they're, 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 they hate me because I'm exposing their religious activities that are evil? So you ask me, can I prove that? Well, you know I can. St. John chapter 1, verse 11, Jesus came into his own, the Jews, but his own received him not. I mean, right off the bat. <laughs> I mean, right off the bat. I mean, he ain't opened his mouth yet. John 5, the Jews persecuted him and sought to kill him over healing on the Sabbath day. Can we read that, please, together? The Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Why? Because he had done some things or healed on a Sabbath. Anybody see that four-letter word in there besides me? And I know some of you are here visiting. You go, oh, we just can't offend anybody. Who said? That's my job. John 7, 32. The Pharisees became outraged over the popularity, so they tried to have him arrested. Well, they got jealous. He had a crowd following him now. Why? He was speaking truth. He wasn't just bashing the religious people. We, we left you yesterday or last week with, he is truth. And truth be God's truth. And if you are of the truth, then you will adhere to the truth. But if you are not of the truth, you will tune me out and never return here. But it's okay either way. It's not my job to convince you or persuade you. My job is for the elect's sake. That's my job. If you don't know what that means, hang around when I get back. There is still an elect of God. That's why you, and, and, and I told somebody today, some people believe to get born again. I was born again, and that's the reason why I believe the message. Because he knew me before the foundation of the earth. He set it in action. He called me. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. Before I even come out of my mother's womb, he knew me. He called me to be a preacher. You didn't stumble into this. You don't think God's that naive, are you? Please say no. You're scaring me. Well, I was taught. I know what you was taught in kindergarten, but we're grown men and women of God now. And so anyway, John chapter 8. The Pharisees now plot the stone and murder him. John 10, 31, Jesus said the Jews took up stones again to 
stone and kill him. In John eleven fifty three, the religious leaders began to make plans to kill Jesus. They began to draw out the blueprints. They would form a band. They would meet him. They would trick Judas into betraying him. They, they had it all mapped out. The religious leaders were hostile at Jesus at day one. Now, we're not going to go into detail, but can anybody besides me say that Herod was trying to kill him? His whole life. He's had a, a, a bounty on his head to keep him from the destiny that God set before him. And the religious Jews was the posse that would be used by satanic forces to try to destroy him before he could get to the cross. And it really doesn't make any natural sense, does it? For three years, he banished sickness and disease in Israel. For three years, he disrupted some funerals. For three years, he fed thousands with a few loaves and few fishes, and it means crackers and sardines. I mean, think about it. He was the most kindest, the most compassionate, the most giving, the most loving, the most gentle, besides Terry Myers. I mean, he was, the most, he was the most loving guy you would ever meet on planet Earth. Why in the world would they want to kill him? He was kind to widows. He was, he was generous to orphans. Everywhere he went, he did nothing but to help humanity. Matter of fact, it says in the book of Acts, it says that how God gave his son Jesus that was filled with the Holy Spirit, a special gift, Acts 10 and 38, and a special assignment that everywhere he went and everyone he met, he improved their quality of life. Except one group. The Bible toting and the scripture quoting religious people. He cut them no slack. How many knows I'm a pretty nice guy, really? Thank you. I'm not even looking around. But boy, you start messing with the word of God, now I'm on you. That's not what it said. What are you doing? Where'd you get that at? Well, I heard it at 3 a.m. on a TV evangelist. No wonder. You're delusional. Your mind is nuts at 3 a.m. Turn him off and come to church Sunday morning. You'll, you'll thank me later. So now that he's got them reared up, they hate him. They're trying to kill him. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever witnessed to somebody, I mean, and they didn't take it well? Now, don't get spiritual on me, but, you know. Have you ever had anybody say, you say that again, and I'll, I'll cut your throat? Or I'll black your eye. Now, I heard Jerry tell Dan that when he was working on his house, but I don't think it was about the gospel. It was something else. But <laughs> They tried to kill him his whole entire life. And over and over and over, you'll read the scripture says, and he passed right through them. He moved right through them. And we found that last week that he hid himself. Trying to keep him from going to the destiny that God had him up on the cross. So now watch this. He's speaking to the Jewish community. He's speaking to the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. 
And the scribes were the referee. They were those guys in the striped suits on a football game that knows all the rules and they have instant replay. It's those guys. That's who the scribes are. The scribes are responsible to make sure all the laws was kept of the Jews. They're all in it. They're all in it. John 8, verse 42 through 48. This is the Message Bible. Now listen very carefully to me. They're bragging about their heritage. They said, oh, we're, we're this and we're that. And Jesus said, you can take that in a quarter and I'll buy you a cup of coffee. That's what he's telling them. And boy, I mean, now then, they're, they're, their nostrils are flaring out because they said, we are descendants of Abraham and we've never been in bondage, but yet they've been in captivity almost 1,800 years of the 2,000 years before that time. It began with Egypt and it, it went on to Nebuchadnezzar and the Medes and the Persians and the Romans and Alexander the Great, all these things. So now then, now then they threw in the Abrahamic card. Now then they threw in that card that I belong to a, a special breed of people. And remember what Jesus said? That ain't nothing. I can have rocks there. I can raise up rocks that praise me. So now he said, if you were your father, now watch this. He's talking about Abraham. He said, Abraham's our father. So they're pulling in the Abraham card. Oh, I was raised in the same Pentecostal Baptist. Good for you. Glad you're here. But if God was your father, said Jesus, you would love me. Now, let's go over this again. Did they love him? They hated him. So if God was your father, said Jesus, then you would love me for I came from God and arrived here and I didn't even come on my own. I didn't even come on my own initiative. So he's basically saying, they said, Abraham was our father. And Jesus said, absolutely. But Abraham would love to see the days that, that you have today. But he said in Abraham, before Abraham, he said, I am. He claimed to be all God. And boy, that got him going. But he said, Jesus said, if Abraham was your father, then you would love me. Did they love him? No. And he said, I didn't even come on my own will. My father sent me. Go to the next verse. So why can't you understand one word that I'm saying to you? Here's why you can't handle it. Now you know why he's winning a popularity contest. Don't, don't tune me out, please. He's speaking to religious people. Yes. And he said, you want to know why you can't understand anything I'm telling you? Because you're from your father. How? <clears throat> Remember the old Batman movie? Some of you are not old enough. Me and Scott Fryer were old enough. But the old Batman with Adam West, you know, before we had all this, this computer-generated things, when he would try to punch somebody that had big catch, you'd go, Pow! Ouch! Bam! Paya! I mean, how you spell paya? But you know, you know what I'm saying. You know, they do that. And I, I can imagine when Jesus said, here's the problem. You know why you don't understand and comprehend anything that I'm saying? Is because you of your father, the devil. And all you want to do is to please your father, the devil. These are the very people that is in charge of the podium, carrying the scriptures. 
He was a killer, which is a wrong word. He was a murderer from the very start. I changed translations because this is easier for you to understand. And he couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. And when a liar speaks, he makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with lies. I arrived on the scene to tell you the plain truth and you refused to have a thing to do with me? And can any one of you convict me of one single misleading word and one single sinful act, but I'm telling you the truth and that's why you don't believe me? He said, you are of your father because from the very beginning, your father was a murderer. Watch this. And he says, at this very moment, you're making plans to murder me. And they were. And now then, verse 48, they crossed the threshold of insanity. Watch what they say in verse 48. Then the Jews said, that clinches it. We were right all along when we called you a Samaritan dog and said, <clears throat> for those that are listening by radio, we're going to say this slow to you. They said Jesus was a crazy, demon-possessed person. In 30-something years, this is all I do right here. I teach biblical principles. And, and I really, I've said from day one, I would rather somebody walk in the door that didn't know Sikkim from come here about the Bible. But it's the people that know everything I'm having trouble with. You know, not you, of course, because you're still here. We, and if you're not careful, when I say things concerning Christ and his kingdom and his second coming and his advent, and when I say things that absolutely that maybe goes cross-grained to what you've been taught in some type of a, of a preschool setting, because the Bible says that strong meat belongs to men that discern what is chaos and chaos, good and evil, Jesus and junk. And true discernment is this, is this, is the ability not to discern right from wrong. It's the ability to discern right from almost right. And if you're not careful, then you'll hear me say some things that he will say things like this. That guy is possessed by a devil. Well, I'm in pretty good company because they said the same thing about John and Jesus. So just say what you want to. But they crossed insanity. So they just got it right out in the open. So he said, if you love God, you would love me. But it's obvious you don't love me, so you don't love God. And boy, that got him. 
And he said, you're just like your father. Your father was a murderer from the very beginning. Your father, the devil, Diabolos, he was a murderer from the very beginning. And there's been more murders committed in the church with their tongue than it is with knives and guns, I'll assure you. And not only, as Hosea said, like people, like priests. And Jesus said also that no servant is greater than his master. So he's saying the same thing. You are just like your father, which was a murderer from the very beginning. And you're making plans to murder me now. And so what did they do? They said, oh, you just got a devil. It proves it. And this is why we go back to John 7. It says this, that he've come to expose their evil deeds. The Greek word for expose, if you don't know this, it means to lift up a skirt. It's a funny word. It's not too funny, especially if you're wearing a skirt. But anyway, it, it, means, it means like if you go to the airport and, and, and your, the alarms keep going off, they'll start peeling clothes off on you. That's kind of what it means, kind of. You're concealing something. And Jesus said, I've come to expose their evil deeds. I've come to lift up their skirt and show you what they're hiding. And it's ugly. They've been concealing truth from you. They've been concealing through, through their religious activities, but deep down beneath the covering and beneath the facade, it's all death and destruction and there's murder and there's hate. And we know for a fact that they didn't love Jesus because they didn't love God, because they were of their father, the devil. No wonder they hated him. So why was this message and his message so offensive? Because next week we'll really give you the information. Here was the formula of the gospel. If you don't know the formula of the gospel, I'm going to tell you about evangelicals next week and it'll shock you. Really? You say, well, I'm an evangelical. Really? Well, we're, we're going to lay that out for you next week. But here's the formula that Jesus was, will get to. Number one, man is a sinner. Romans 5 and 12. Now, you're going to say yes and amen, but I'm going to tell you, you're not aware in the religious community, almost 57% doesn't believe that. We got some people down in Houston said basically mankind is good. That's a lie. There's about eight or nine statements with being a true evangelical. They'll shock you. I'll give you I'll give you the postings of the polls about it in 2019 next week. So here's the gospel. Here's the gospel in three statements. Why was his message the gospel, the good news? Because I want to share with me this morning, the good news is not good news to any man that's walking in opposition towards God. Amen. It does the opposite. It makes you mad. It becomes offensive. Even Jesus said, there's only one that's good. They called him good master. He said, hey, hang on a minute. There's only one that's good. Why was this message so offensive? Because Jesus declares that the religious Jews were frauds and phonies. That's it. You're a phony. So here's the gospel. Number one, man is a sinner. 
Romans 5 and 12. Number two, mankind or man needs a savior. And number three, Jesus is the only way to get to the Father. This was his message, ladies and gentlemen. He was, he was announcing why he came to this earth. Number one, mankind is born into sin. And because he's born into sin, mankind needs a savior. But this is where they all stumble. Somebody correct me. Is he not referred to as the rock of offense? He was a stumbling block to the Jews. Our cornerstone, but their stumbling block. Everything that I built my life upon is the cornerstone. It's what I build my life upon, my family's life upon, this church upon. He is the cornerstone of what this thing is all about. But to the religious Jews, it wasn't a cornerstone. It was a stumbling block. It's amazing. How the very person that I build my life upon is the very thing you stumble over. How can that be? Go back and read John 8 when you go home. So three things, man is a sinner. Number two, man needs a savior. Number three, here is where they got him. Jesus is the way, truth, and the only life. And they were so offended by that that they went ahead and carried out the arresting and the murder. These statements that was made by Christ shredded the religious rules it declared them phonies. One last verse, please. John 17, verse 14. Garden of Gethsemane, we showed this to you last week. In less than 24 hours, he will be led to the cross. This is the night of Gethsemane. He said, I've given, he's talking to his father, I've given them, which is the disciples, your word. And now the world has hated them. Remember back in John 7, he said, the world doesn't hate you. You just walked in the back door. But isn't it amazing what happens in three and a half years when you hang around the living word, the living word gets in you. Now then, Jesus said, the world hates them. Why do they hate them? Because they changed the color of their hair or wore a different shirt or walked on one leg? No, sir. Jesus said, if the world hated me, they're going to hate you. Why? Because my word is in them. What was the difference? Why did the Jews not hate the guys in John 7 and now they hate them? And the answer is here. Because it was the word that Christ put in them. Mark it down. You start getting the word of God and truth in you. The world will hate you. The religious world will hate you. If you don't believe me one day, if you get to heaven, ask all the, the, the reformers. There was more people that was killed in the, by the Catholic Church. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, 
than all the wars put together over religion. What happens is when you begin to wrestle that who is really deity, men take that personal. There's only one mediator between God and man. The more the word of God's in us, the more that religion will hate us. Now, close your Bibles or turn off your cell phones and put up your fingernail clippers. And Here's the disclaimer. Other than Judas and John, the accounts that I'm about to read are not scriptural. But they're only traditions that are recorded by historians. Accurate recordings by historians of that time period. How the disciples and the apostles of the Bible, how they died. And before we take off, remember John 17. The world now hates you. I know we want to be liked. And I know somebody telling you this is the, your best life ever. Just stay with me for three minutes. The world will hate you now. The more the truth of God's words in you about Christ, who he is and what he's come to do, make no mistake about it. Sin has not changed. Evil has not changed. The world, the religious world will hate you. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was crucified. He was not nailed. He was tied by ropes in an X-shaped cross hanging alive for two days. The writer says, hanging up for two days that he had to deal with the ants and the birds. If you're not aware of this, I'm not going to go into detail, but I will tell you that anytime that you see someone crucified, crucified was not instantaneously, never was meant to be instantaneously. It should last for days. The Christ was because at certain Passover, but you understand that when a man was crucified, he was on a platform, he could hold himself up and it was either here or more in here that he was crucified and they would put him up there for days not just days of a spectacle, but for the benefit of the ants and the ravens. Pick them apart. You really need to pay attention. Bartholomew, which is known as Nathaniel in the book of John, records are positive. He was skinned alive. And he was crucified. James, the son of Zebedee, he was beheaded by Herod. We know this in Acts chapter 12, 1 and 2. This is the cousin of Jesus. James, the son of Alphaeus, that in the temple, that he was thrown off of the temple. They stoned him, they clubbed him to death, and the historian said that his brains was left upon the granite steps of the temple. Matter of fact, Josephus says his brains 
spilt out. John, which is the son of Zebedee, which is Jesus' cousin, he died of a natural death, but unfortunately that, or fortunately for him, that he survived a pot of boiling oil, compliments of Nero, and he wouldn't die. So they sent him to Patmos to rot. Jude, which was the half-brother of Jesus, he was beaten with clubs, and the India Jew was crucified. Judas committed suicide, being possessed by demons. He lost his mind. Matthew, he was staked to the ground and speared. Simon Peter, he was crucified of his own willingness to be crucified upside down. Philip, tortured. History says he was impaled by iron hooks through the ankles and he hung upside down till he died strangling in his own blood. Simon the Canaanite, called Simon the Zealot. They cut him in half. Thomas? Thomas was impaled and thrusted by multiple spears and daggers. What about Mark? John Mark, the writer of the New Testament. History says John Mark was dragged to death by a team of horses. What about Luke, the great physician? They hung him in public. Matthias, this is the gentleman that took, in Acts chapter 1, he took Judas's place on the seat of the council, one of the 12. Well, they stoned him and beheaded him. James, the half-brother of Christ, he was thrown off a 100-foot wall at the temple he was, the, he was the leader there, but he survived it, so they clubbed him to death at the bottom of the wall at the foot of the temple steps. John the Baptist, they beheaded him by Herod. The Apostle Paul beheaded by Nero. Did these men preach the same gospel? That's being preached today. See, we live in a, in, a, in, a, 
in a world right now that we want to be liked and accepted. We don't want to offend anybody. We, we want to be popular. We want to be famous. But I just read you the history of men that had the word of Christ in them and the world hated them. And I'm just asking you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. When we go into our daily life and our daily routine, it is not our ambition or our motive to make people mad. It is not my objective to offend people and prove them wrong or Bible bash anybody. But am I really preaching the gospel? These that live before me, these men carried the word of God in them in such of a way that they were so treated hostile to. And I spend my whole life wanting to be liked and applauded and appreciated. Is that where we're at? We want everybody to get along with us and we want everybody to like us. And I don't know. Father, this morning, if, if we have got off track, if we have lost our bearings along the way, if we have preached another gospel, if we have surrendered to another doctrine, from the bottom of our heart, we apologize. You've sent great men and women for us that they sacrificed their lives because of the true living word that lived within these men and women. They suffered great endangerment. They even, they even lived in caves and desert places, Hebrew tells us, sawn in half, taken by the spears because they housed truth. So I pray for every person in this place this morning that maybe you're under attack. And maybe you're going to take a stand and are taking a stand on your job and your workplace. But I'm telling you this morning, it's okay if those that are not walking in the light hate you. It's okay because they hated the one that you represent. Father, help us to get this right. Help us to glorify your son, Jesus. In Christ's name. Amen. Now I want to tell you something, if I can. because there's always allergies in this place. It's pretty important to me. Preparing sermons like this, I, I deal with a lot because I know it's not popular. I understand that. And I understand it makes some of you uncomfortable. I understand that. 
And, and, and if you could just, when I get to the millennial reign, oh my goodness. But if you could just see kind of what goes around in my head and my mind and my goodness, it's, it's a zoo. Do I say that? Do I not say that? Do I not say that? I mean, it's truth and do I not? And, and yesterday, I wasn't in a foul mood. I, I was in a pretty good mood and, and it's all good. It's all good. And when I went to bed last night that I really, I, I really, I don't talk to Galen much about it, but I'm, I just really dealt with some stuff. Just stuff, this, this stuff. And I'm gonna just call it demonic activities. And it's stuff like you can't say that because you say that they're gonna think you're looking at it. Well, I am looking at you, so let's get that over with, you know? And so I got here this morning pretty early because they changed the time, but just because they changed the time, my biological clock goes off. So I kissed Gayla goodbye this morning. She said, what time was it? And I said, I think it's about 10 after six, I'm going. And I come down here, I come down here. If you're visiting this morning, don't, don't run out, don't. But I come down this morning really struggling, just really struggling. What to do with this and how to respond with it and how do we respond with being offensive to things. And I'll, I'll always tell you the truth. But sometimes the songs that Catherine will sing, I will plug them in right here and I'll listen to them. I have a phone that Alex showed me how to use it. And, and, and I'll pull up a song and I'll listen to it through that speaker and I'll play with it. I'm only one here. Imagine that at 6.15 in the morning. And I'm just trying to prepare myself to get my mind right. Knowing full well that messages like this are not well received. Understand that. I've got some good ones you receive it, but that's not what God has labeled my heart. And I click to the other song, and it's called Great Are You, Lord. And I'm sorry if this is going to bore you, but I've got to tell you. And the, and the picture of Great Are, Are You, Lord came on, and I, I clicked it like I always do, but another song come on. And it's a woman singing. And, 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 and it's a professional recording, I guess. I don't know. But it's got the picture. You pull up a song. It says, Great Are You, Lord. And I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. And I can't get her to shut up. <laughs> I told Mike this before church. And I kind of broke down. He'll tell you, I broke down balling. And I, and, I, and I tried to stop it. And I turned my phone off. I turned my phone off. And I started back up thinking it would reset and it didn't reset. She started right back up. And so I'm sitting at this piano. It's about pitch dark in here and I'm wanting to practice great are you Lord and I'm getting something else. And there's no X's up there. I can't get rid of it. I swiped it three or four or five times. It will not go off. And I kept punching buttons and I punch a lot of buttons, but it won't go off. And so finally I thought, well, I'll just let the dumb thing play. Really? And as a woman, and I don't know who it was, it sounded like Twyla Paris.
But she sung, I'm with you. I'm above you. I'm beneath you. I'm all around you. I'm with you. I'm above you. I'm beneath you. I'm all around you. And then she breaks on that you're the object of my heart. And then, you know, I'm from Long Grove, so it took a minute. (laughs) And I turned that up to about volume 10, and I listened to this person sing that God would not let me change channels on this phone. And this woman said, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm above you, I'm below you, I'm around you, I love you, I'll be with you. God somehow got the best of Apple or Google and gave his prophet a song to remind him no matter how you received the gospel, he's still with me and for me, around me. I'll find that song. I tried to find it again. Couldn't find it. Father, thank you this morning. We may not be the Apostle Pauls or John the Baptist or James the Great or James the Lesser. We may not be Thomas's Phillips. We may knock and slip our feet into the shoes of these great men in the Bible, but one thing about it, we belong to you. We are your sons and daughters. And this morning I pray that we continue to carry the message of what this thing is all about. That Jesus is the way and Jesus is the truth and he is the life. And no man comes to the Father outside of the Son of God himself. And thank you this morning for giving me a song that, that really protected me and encouraged me and reminded me that you are with us. And you're around us and before us and not against us. So wherever we go, we pray that this morning that divided waters will part as we face any opposition that we may face today because your word lives within us. Go with us this week as we honor you and glorify you in Christ's name. God is good all the time. Ushers, if you'll please come with communion today. Give the Lord a praise offer. You can stand up. I know you're tired. Mike, we're going to play that next week. You might as well show up. Did you listen to it, Mike? Well, don't listen to it. Yeah, listen to it after. Wow. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for carrying the truth in you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And may God bless you and honor you. He took the cup at that dreadful night and he said this this cup and this bread now symbolic of 
of my body and my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. He took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Your father's manna fell from heaven. That bread fell from heaven, but they hungered again. But if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the lamb's blood that was shed in the first Passover. But my father and I will take my blood and place in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. You are a sinner. You were a sinner. Man is a sinner. Man needs a savior. And Jesus Christ is the only savior. So Father, for that, we take great heart in it and we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.